Hey, folks, mortgage rates have dipped to their lowest levels in recent history. And with home values up in many areas, now may be the perfect time to refinance your home. Whether you're looking to lower your monthly payments, free up cash for home improvements, or just pay off your home faster, a quick call to the one and only Stuart Wingo of Ameris Bank could save you money. If you're looking for competitive rates and exceptional service, call Stuart Wingo, 803-319-1777. That's 803-319-1777. You will save money just like I have so many times over the years. You can also visit him, amerisbank.com slash Stuart Wingo. Stuart Wingo, the man with the plan for all your mortgage needs. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome, everybody. It is J.C. and Morgan. J.C. Morgan at 24-7 Sports. Mike Morgan, ESPN, SCC Network. We are two weeks or a week and a half into the books of the college football season. Week zero, week one complete, week two coming up. We've got uh, some big surprises that happened this past weekend, certainly more so than the first week. We had, uh, I mean, upsets within the conference of the SEC, nationally speaking, interconference, good stuff all around. Uh, Just a good week of football, and we'll get into that. We'll take a look ahead to uh, week two of college football go through some of the top stories out there, JC. But first off, speaking of top stories, we'll get into that Southern Cal situation because as we are recording this today on Monday, late Monday, the news came down uh, about an hour ago that Clay Helton has been relieved of his duties at Southern Cal after a very disappointing loss to Stanford. I, I, I already had him on my DEFCON 1 list. Now i got to mm. put him on DEFCON 0, I guess. Uh, JC, first off, how are you? How was your weekend? Great. Really good weekend. I uh, got a chance to uh, sort of relax Friday and watch college football all day Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, I got to see some NFL and got to see some eighth grade uh, youth league game. Uh, a youth league game, which was actually an exciting game. 32 to 27 was the final. So there you go. Lots of offense, a little, a little guy named uh, skinny. I guess this kid's nickname ran for about five touchdowns and, and uh, beat the team I was pulling for. But, don't don't uh, you feel young when you go to games like that? I know. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's one of the things I love about doing college football is that you know, I'm on a lot of college football campuses uh, and, and it makes me feel young. But when I used to do high school football, even I, I felt like I was, you know, I was sent back into a time machine and I was like 16 all over again. It's just, there's just a different vibe when you're around youth sports and, and youth football specifically. Yeah, I, I think so. And then, you know, because these guys, you know, high school guys and the youth league, I mean, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're not known. They're just playing because they love the game, most of them. Um, you know, and you got mamas and daddies up there that are yelling. And, and you know, you got uh, like at the game I was at last night, you, you have a guy that I think they probably is like a part time DJ or karaoke guy that, that kind of here around the community that uh, was probably the least professional announcer I've ever heard at a stadium. 
But hey, who cares? <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, look at that stud out there. My goodness. Ah. And, you know, I was just like, man, I'm so glad I don't have a headache right now. <laughs> Between that and the little kids bouncing up and down on the bleachers, <clears throat> uh, it was a heck of a night. But, yeah, it, it's the game in kind of its purest form. I remember when I was in eighth grade and played, uh, of course, a little different. I played for my, my middle school. But uh, this is how they do it in certain parts of the country. So uh, with with a youth league or whatever, and that was great. And, you know, you just remember those memories and you feel good, you know, not only for the players, but for their parents. I remember my parents used to love to come watch me and my brothers play. It's always a highlight. So uh, for that reason, I like it. I still love going to high school games too, man. I I don't get to go to as many as I once did, but – I have always enjoyed going to the the high school game, whether it's in East Texas, Wichita, Kansas, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, New Jersey, uh, New York City. I went to a game in Brooklyn one time during my career. Uh, I've always loved each and every high school football game. You know what I didn't get into? I was just thinking of all the high school showcases and events and marquee games that you've seen in your career, probably far outweighs mine. I mean, I've just been to high school games. It's, it's part of how I, you know, cut my teeth in this business doing, uh, doing high school football, going back to when I was in college and doing it on cable access TV. And then when I uh, moved to Columbus, Georgia, uh, at age 21, 22, I'm doing the very best high school that Western Georgia and Eastern Alabama has to offer. And that is a lot of good high school Serious, in that area, yeah. <laughs> as you know. But maybe we'll get into this on the back end. I never asked you last week, and the moment we got done, I was like, "God damn it!" I I wanted to get into the the, the uh, is it Bishop Malloy or Archbishop Malloy? Uh, the scandal, the high school well, team. Bishop Sycamore, dude. It, Bishop Sycamore. What am I yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to New York. Is, there is not a bishop. Sycamore. Right. Bishop Sycamore. The Catholic Church. I mean, this is a 30 30 for 30 uh, that can be produced right now. We don't have to wait 10 years for this bad boy. And I I reached out to our buddy Tom Luganbill, who was on the call for that game, and he was pissed. I felt so Um, bad for Tom. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, they got completely duped. Um, You you got a, a con man running this team. And by the way, I'll just say this real quickly because I've done those high school games for ESPN a number of times. I know for a lot of people, ESPN is a pinata um, and, and any, any chance to criticize it. Look, I, I work for ESPN. I, I get, I understand some of it. I mean, there there's, trust me, everybody that works for ESPN or Fox or whatever other network, they don't like everything that's done on their particular station. Uh, and, and everything is open to criticism. I, I get it. But ESPN does not specifically pick those matchups. There is a third party company and the, the name of it just eluded me that they are in. Yeah. Is it Paragon? Paragon, I think, is what it's called. I think it's Paragon. And they are in charge of kind of vetting and, and finding the games. And as much as we like great high school rivalries, honestly, it's more of a recruiting showcase. It, it, we, ESPN and Paragon both want the highly rated prospects. They want at least one five-star to talk about in that game. You know, I did a game two years ago with Hammond High School in in Columbia, small private school, and they got worked, quite frankly, by 
a non-private school in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And it was just a mismatch. But the the Hammond School had Jordan Birch, uh, one of the top prospects in the country, top 10. And so that's why that game got on national television. I mean, the game was on ESPN. And, you know, it's it's during a time where there's not a whole lot else going on. But but Paragon picks those and tries to – but they got worked over. They just got duped mm-hmm. and, and and fell for – I don't know how or why, but but they, they wow. just did. And that how that got on. That's how they, that got on. All right, so there's a third – there's a fourth party involved with this. And there's some guy that I think works in insurance or something and um, – in uh in New Jersey, prep gridiron logistics. And so this guy, his hobby that he gets paid for is like uh <laughs> he uh he uh his job, I guess, is to set up some of these matchups. He'll call coaches and be like, hey, you know, try to play this guy. And this guy, after the scandal broke and the game was there, he he like got defensive. He's like, You should give those boys credit for playing. And, Everybody in Ohio turned him down. Well, 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 Mike, I'll tell you how bad this is. Um, you know, South Carolina, the Gamecocks, who I cover, a few years back they got a commitment from a kid that was a, uh, a sophomore uh, running back out of uh, Carrollton, Georgia, named Mikos Todd. Well, Mikos didn't do what he's supposed to do. He didn't get any better on the field. Gamecocks ended up dropping him. I don't know if he signed who he signed with. Went to junior college played a year there, and now he's on the Bishop Sycamore team listed as a 2022 player. <laughs> so, yeah. so, the, so so Joe Maimone, M-A-I-M-O-N-E, I guess a Mamone or whatever, <laughs> Jersey Flyer, you know. Um, and, uh, God, I just, uh, you know, th- this guy is one of those guys that you sort of wonder. You know, you're like, well, why is this person – you know, given his extensive whatever background, and I know he's probably set up some good games and some coaches are thankful, you know, why is this guy uh, able to impact what happens with high school kids uh, in terms of their their safety, a game that, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't have been playing, uh, the reputations of the coaches involved, a company like ESPN, a company like Paragon, which is actually, you know, a legit – company you know it, it just goes to show you that in this business in in high school slash recruiting slash co- you have to be careful who you talk to because there's a lot of people out there and this entire bishop sycamore thing mike is based on these guys pretending to be like plugged into the recruiting scene which they are not okay they are not they do not have connections to get your son or daughter or your son a scholarship um that decided to open a school and charge tuition uh, and, and make money off of it. I mean, you read about some of this guy, the guy like the head coach, he's got warrants out. He purchased a $100,000 automobile to drive around in. He's a con man. Meanwhile, the kids are staying in a hotel and they skip out on their bills. Right. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And, and you have people out there like this guy, Mamone, uh, for lack of a better term, they're jock sniffers. They, they, they want to be part of the game, but they're not. You know, they want to be important, but they're not. And so they'll go to the end of the earth to defend their decisions because, you know, obviously their reputation takes a hit and all this good stuff. But, um, you know, th- that that's the unfortunate part of it. I mean, look, Tom Luganville 
I've worked with Tom, but no Tom. He has about uh, no seconds worth of patience for any kind of shenanigans <laughs> where it has to get, cause Tom's a professional when it has right. to do with high school football, recruiting his job, that kind of thing, you know, and, and nor should he, nor should he cause, cause Tom's a stand up guy and does right. what's right. He does the right thing. So I don't blame him for being mad or the announcers for being mad or anybody, because, you know, you go to a game, I mean, and you're like, okay, Bishop Sycamore. Now, should somebody maybe have Googled to see if there actually ever was a Bishop Sycamore in the Catholic church or wherever, <laughs> what, whatever church there, there, there's no such person. <laughs> that, that'd be like, you know, you know, something that sounds biblical, you know, I'm like the Reverend, Reverend Zacchaeus high school. Well, that, sounds, that sounds legit, but it's not. You know what a sycamore is? It's a tree. It's a tree. And the Zacchaeus only reason actually in the Bible, Zacchaeus climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. The Lord he wants. Yeah, that's that's a Sunday school rhyme, right? I didn't even know that. Zacchaeus uh, was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up wow. in the sycamore tree. Yeah, we learned that in Sunday school way back when. Oh, I got goodness. a great memory. But I, uh, I went to a Catholic high school, and I didn't know that. It, uh, it sounds biblical, you know, like like well, there was a story in the Bible, you know, like uh, uh, you know Mount okay Mount Sinai. Sinai sounds like a biblical type of name, so it'd be like, but you're taking two different things, like a Bishop Sinai or Reverend Sinai or Holy Father Sinai, you know, Holy it's Holy Sinai or whatever. And you, you're just taking words. I mean, these guys literally just looked up something that sounded tight and and put because it sounds good. Bishop Sycamore. Why not go for broke? Why not like uh, Immaculate Conception High? <laughs> but at least the Immaculate Conception is a thing. <laughs> What's I'm saying? Is, if you want to sound legitimate, come uh, up come up with something that actually. Uh, happened. Yeah, uh, yeah and, uh, and I'm not looking to get into a re- religious debate, but uh, if you, if you know the whole story, then uh, you you know what I'm talking about. Sycamore. The only reason I know Sycamore is because I'm uh, a a self avowed huge Larry Bird fan. He went to Indiana State. Indiana Sycamore. State is the Sycamores. When me and a couple of my buddies from high school were were running uh, running game and three on three tournaments presented by Reebok. Uh, all these other teams had these nick, nifty, you know, nicknames, uh, and, and we were the Sycamores. I'm going to tell you, named after Larry Bird, we were getting a whole lot of looks. Like, man, what the hell is a Sycamore? Um, which made it even for more fun when we when we beat them, except for the championship game. But I digress. Um, anyway, that that story. We need to get Luke and Bill back on. I mean, I like Tom to talk college ball too, but I, I just. That story is is priceless, and I, I regretted not bringing it up to you the first time around. I figured you, of all people, would have a good handle on on uh, mm-hmm. the behind the scenes, and obviously you do. Um, so, like I said, before we get into the action, the, the news of the day, and it's going to be big news for a while now. Is I don't I don't anticipate this thing being filled anytime soon. You, it's not often a major program devoid of a scandal fires a coach after week one or two and Southern Cal uh, ha- has done just that. And by the way, I said week one and a half. So technically we've, we've completed two and a half weeks of college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me back up on that 2.5. So we're about to enter week three. Um, but Southern Cal loses to Stanford 42 to 28. 
This right away derails anything that Southern Cal fans had hoped for this year. Okay, mm. already the dreams have been shattered. I know it's early. I know you can go on a run, but you you, you just can't lose this game. We, we last week we spent five minutes talking about what the hell has happened to Stanford. I'm on record. I think UCLA uh, is going to win the Pac-12, and obviously Oregon made a statement with their win at Ohio State. By the way, those two teams will meet in the Rose Bowl later on this year. It's a UCLA home game. I couldn't help, uh, out of curiosity, check out the schedule. That becomes a marquee game this season. A lot of people wouldn't have said that back in July or August. But this is one thing, like, we all knew the – it was a zero-tolerance – situation for clay helton that said i didn't think they'd fire him on september the 13th of the season Mm. they have and now let the fun begin right let the let the big name parade go through i already what do we got here we got uh pete thamel he's got his list out uh pandemic pete he's (laughs) he's uh his early list for his usc James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, P.J. Fleck, Mario Cristobal, Greg Schiano, and Tony Elliott, former coaches, could be Chris Peterson and Bob Stoops. Now, I'm not saying none of those names are in play. I'm not. I guarantee you there's a, a couple of those names that would take the job if it was offered. However, what I am saying is that most of those names are in really, really good positions and happy where they are and would likely not take the job. So you and I talk about this when it's tier two, tier three schools that have no idea. They're always looking for the supermodel. And then eventually they, they wind up with something closer to Helen Hunt and, and bless Helen Hunt. Um, So this is like a, you know, this is going to take on a, an identity of we are Southern cow. We can get whoever we want and we're going to get whoever we want. Chances are, if you could get whoever you want, I don't know if you would have had clay Helton in the first place and you wouldn't have kept him this long. So I don't know who they think they're going to get. Those are some impressive names and they'll be all over the internet and speculated on Twitter and everywhere else. But don't be surprised if you don't get your first choice, your second choice, your third choice, because that's a trend in college football in general. Most power programs think they can get whoever they want, and then they realize, okay, maybe we can. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of those names, Bill O'Brien, you know, I shoot, if he continues, Alabama rolls, win another national championship. You, you could do a whole lot worse than that guy. That would also sort of follow their M.O. of, you know, hiring guys from the NFL, as they've done in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I think they need to go outside of the box. And, and I think, you know, a guy like a P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, you know, let, let's put Matt Campbell aside because everything I've heard about Matt Campbell is big, big 10 job or NFL is the next step for him. So that's that's one. Right. Number two, though, you don't know. I mean, the Big 12 thing, if, if that league survives as a playoff uh, playoff conference, which it could, you know, with the expansion, their path just got a lot easier without Oklahoma in the league. I'm not going to mention Texas right now hmm. because that, that, that just would be intellectually dishonest. But, uh, you know, 
so so maybe Iowa State is a place you know you can win championships and go to the playoff um, on a regular basis now. Uh, but but then again, do you think well? Uh, the Big 12 may fold or maybe a second-tier conference, and then that puts us out. So Not folding now. You know, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should – or fold in terms of, you know, fold's not the right word. Uh, get, get knocked back. Well, the other conferences say, you're not good enough, bye, you know, mm. which I don't think it'll happen. I don't think well, the expansion is going to happen. You're talking relegation, essentially. Relegation, right? from, yes, from sir. From Power yes, 5 sir. to Group 5 for those soccer Power fans. Five and group 5. Who that's, insist that's that, that relegation is actually coming to college football and have no idea or clue that that's not based in any reality, but they love throwing it out there because they just – they love soccer. Because they just love soccer and they feel like they have to inundate you with every soccer analogy out there uh, relegation i somebody actually used this on five bomb the other day uh and paul was actually like kind of warming up to the like relegation is never happening in college big time college athletics football or basketball period do you know the logistical nightmare relegation would actually cause I mean, even if somebody thought that was a good idea it's almost impossible to implement it's not happening so please soccer fan Stop. Save yeah. it for the Premier League. You, you use it where it fits. It, it's not happening in college football. Okay. Yeah, and it's not a it's not part of American, you know, we we don't do that in our sports over here, you know, uh, relegation. And uh, you know, the closest that anything's ever come is they were talking at one point about contraction in major league baseball. Talking about it. And that right. was that I mean, if the Tampa Bay Devil Rays aren't gonna get punted. Uh, you know, first place team, 3,000 a game strong, you know, th- nobody's getting punted, you know, I mean, uh, and that the that's Marlins. just not, we're just weird. It's just, it's just weird. It's, it, it would be very strange for us that they're more likely to move somebody somewhere. So yeah, no. UConn might unilaterally decide we need to get the hell out of here and start playing back in one double a, but, but, they're, but it's not being done to them by some czar that doesn't exist in college football where all of a sudden we're going to take power five teams and what demote them to group five and take group five and demote them to FCS and take FCS and demote them to division two. That's not happening. Stop that madness. Stop wasting energy and oxygen on those conversations. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I just don't see it happening, but, uh, but, you know, everybody loves soccer so much they want to talk about it. But, but anyway, so if you're Matt Campbell, do you look at it? I don't know. I think Bill O'Brien's probably realistic. Um, you know, I don't – Ed or Jerron's really the only former assistant that they hadn't run through out there. Maybe – Tigers. Maybe he just will well, we'll leave LSU and go back to Southern Cal. Um I don't know if the timing – and I just had a, a, a game at LSU. And by yeah. the way, I love – Oh, I mean, I've never had a coach make me laugh so hard in meetings. I could see why LSU fans, they want him to succeed so badly. Um, But they're also looking at it and like, hey, if things don't work out, then we got to do something. Uh, But I don't think the timing is going to be right for for a move like that for O. Coming off a national championship, you might try to poach him. But he ain't leaving LSU unless he's forced to leave. And then if he's forced to leave, do you want to hire a coach that just got forced to leave if you're Southern Cal? Yeah. Just, uh, doesn't see the Bill O'Brien, obviously, I mean, he would take the job in a heartbeat because Bill O'Brien is he he's gone to the the Nick Saban uh redemption school of 
stock enhancement for all fired coaches, either at the NFL or college level. You go to Tuscaloosa uh, as not a not a full time assistant, but a consultant or not. What, what do you call that? Not a consultant. Uh, analyst. 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 Uh, you go there as a quote unquote analyst, uh, which is seeming more and more like a full time assistant coaching job. And then you you rehabilitate your resume and, and you get a great job. And it has worked for a lot of different guys out there. So that one, you know, that but like Mario Cristobal, why would Mario Cristobal? Oregon is just coming off a huge win. My guess is the, the greater chance than Mario Cristobal defecting for Southern Cal, which hasn't won much of anything the last decade, is going to be Phil Knight and Nike coming up with an insane amount of money to keep him right there in Oregon. And why would he not take it? Yeah, I don't think Mario Cristobal is leaving for anywhere, but maybe Miami if they put a good package for him together. But at some point, you know, finances do play a part in that as well. Uh, An SEC job, maybe even Saban when he – Alabama when he leaves. Cristobal would be like the type of candidate I could see Mm -hmm. them going on. You know, because he's got connections, but he's not really like, you know, a, a Bama guy. So if he fails, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, oh gosh, we fired, you know, Mike Shula and all that. You know, you don't. Have to, it's not uncomfortable. Um, but no, I, I don't see it happening. And and, I, and I'll say this too, Tony Elliott. I would be. St- and now look, he he called a lot of flack from Clemson fans uh, after the game the other night. It was hurtful, but. You know, first and foremost, everything I've ever heard about Tony Elliott is he doesn't not really have a whole lot of interest in leaving not just the South, but the Carolinas and Virginia and that area, you know. Um, and he's turned down better, oppor- you know, closer opportunities like Tennessee. Uh, you know, so first and foremost, I don't, I don't know how interested he would be. And then number two, what in the world are you going to do hiring somebody from all the way across the country that has no ties to the West coast right. when your big problem is you've been hemorrhaging recruits uh, from out there. I, you know, I just don't know. I mean, nothing against Tony Elliott. I think he'll, he'll eventually get a job. But, um, hey, yeah, well, like you said, he could have had, he's had opportunities. Um, uh, but I don't think that that name does anything for the Southern Cal fan base. I mean, they're, yeah. They are thinking pie in the sky to get the offensive coordinator for Clemson is not exactly with the splash that they are looking for. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't I, Yeah. Now, will James Franklin take a look at that job? Now, that's uh, obviously a name. There's no uh, question. But what if, I mean, if Penn State, Penn State now might be the favorite to win the Big Ten, if, if, they have another good, you know, last year was a disaster. If they go back to a winning Big Ten contending type season, New Year's six type season, why in the world is he leaving? And just unless he's just generally unhappy, uh, he's a West Coast guy, not not to my knowledge. Um, East Coast. He's an East Coast guy. Again, Southern Cal is not going to outbid Penn State. If Penn State really want now, there was a time where you kind of felt like that that relationship was not on the best of terms. Like James Franklin was sleeping on the couch. Um, but as as long as he wins, Penn State will love him and cherish him and pay him. So it, it's it's that catch twenty two. Like you want to make a splash higher. But as you're looking at all these guys and candidates, the more they win, 
the more they're considered a splash hire. But the more they win, the lesser your chance of getting them is because the schools wouldn't want to keep them. They're going to be pretty happy where they're at. And as I always say, with few exceptions, major programs and power five programs, if they really want a coach to stay and they've got a successful coach there, nine times out of 10, they're not going to lose them because of money. You might lose them at the NFL because NFL dollars will always trump college dollars. Just ask Matt Rule, the Carolina Panthers. But if it's apples to apples, like you're not going to just outbid him. So what's more attractive about your job? And this is what I remind every fan base. You can't see the warts. It's like when you fall in love with that special woman and she is she is your queen and you look at her every day and there is not a flaw on her. But if you put her up on, you know, like a beauty pageant stage and there's people that their whole job is to to find the, the kinks in the armor, uh, they'll find them. And, and, and so you may think that you're the best job out there, but not everybody looks at it that way. In fact, most people do not. And so that that is where the reality uh, versus what what the fan base and the boosters and the alums and everybody what they covet versus the reality of the quality of your job being so much better than everybody else's those two things are so diametrically opposed in 2021 we just get further and further i've covered too many of these coaching searches to realize that the the fans uh, they just they look in that mirror and what they see with their program is not what everybody else sees Oh, I agree. And all that. And, and, you know, I did one thing I did want to clarify. Tony Elliott has been in the state of South Carolina since he was in college at Clemson, but he is originally from Watsonville, California, which is in the Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz County area. Okay. It's not Los Angeles. It's North, but um, I've been there. Yeah. He does have a California connection. The banana Obviously, slugs. Obviously grew up there. Yeah. Pulp Pulp Fiction. You see Santa Cruz. <laughs> Banana that, slugs. Yeah. yeah, that's a great <laughs> a couple of dorks. But um going to a volleyball match. Yeah, you know, it's uh so so I did want to clarify that. That's probably why he's on the list. I just could be intriguing. I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, I, no. I think uh yeah, I don't know, you know, James Franklin, hmm. Bob um, Stoops coming out of retirement. Shoot, Bob Stoops. If Bob, Stoops, Bob Stoops, in my opinion, will not come out unless he takes an NFL job somewhere like the Chicago Bears, um, which, oh, gosh. Has been, which has been rumored. Has that really but, been rumored up there? It's been rumored because he has wow. a house in Chicago. But uh, Really? Why? Yeah. Or, or uh, his alma mater, Iowa, whenever they open. But yeah. my feeling is – when Kirk Ferentz hangs it up, which won't be long, but he's rolling right now, so why would he leave? Uh, in fact, Iowa may be Iowa may be better than we think. You know, this is one of those years where they're cycling up a little, and they're always kind of good. Uh, but uh, so that's number one. But you know, all the Stoops boys, uh, or at least uh, Mark Stoops and Bob Stoops, went to Iowa, so I, I could see that happening. But I, I just, you know, for the reasons he got out of coaching. You're going to move to Los Angeles, California, and 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 roll into the pressure cooker where you've got, you know, Hollywood celebrities telling you, you know, cussing you out because you lost a game, and 
all that. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that would happen. Um, the, the guy that makes the most logical sense, uh, and you know, the athletic director at uh, SC Mike Bond came from Cincinnati and hired Luke Fickle for the Bearcats. Um, Luke Fickle, Ohio State's probably not opening anytime soon unless Ryan Day goes pro. Otherwise, I think Luke Fickle will be a shoe in for that job. Yeah, I think uh, that's in the sweet spot. And I don't think Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame. No, it? heck no. Why so, would he? No. Yeah, Brian, unless, I mean, yeah, Brian Kelly, I mean, the, he almost took the Eagles job a few years back. But I, I think, you know, Brian Kelly kind of, he's 2 and 0. It's not been an impressive 2 and 0 so far, but he's 2 and 0. He's kind of got it rolling. So it's winning um, 10 games a year, getting in the playoffs every other the playoff, year. playoff, they got it made. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. Uh, another guy nobody's talking about, speaking of the Chicago Bears, is Tom Herman, who is also a California native, who was, you know, three plays away from going undefeated last year before he got fired. I think he fits at out there probably better than he did at Texas from a cultural standpoint. You think um, so? He's a California guy. He's from California. He's a California guy, but everything I hear about Tom Herman, he is the ultimate hard ass. Like he is the yeah. he is the uh, he is not a player's coach. You know the Pete Carroll, the Pete Carroll kind of fit in that mold because you know, hey man, I'm with you, and I'm gonna jump off a high dive, and I'm gonna bring Snoop to practice, and I'm gonna. You know, we're going to Hollywood it up here. I, like, I don't see any of that out of Tom Herman. Geographically, you're right. I just don't know if a, from a personality standpoint, unless he learns from his mistakes, and he made several in Austin off the field, and and, and lightens up and, and kind of adapts to the culture of that program. Conversely, Sarkeesian uh, – it's not Sarkeesian. Uh, Helton, everybody loves him to death, but he can't win enough at Southern Cal. And so they obviously – took care of that too. So it's that fine line between players, yeah. coach, and a guy who actually gets stuff done. Yeah. And, and you know, the, 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 you're never going to find a guy like Pete Carroll that often. And, and, and that's the thing about Pete. Nobody, people don't, they don't, I mean, sure. Six choice for the job, but Pete Carroll, power of positive energy, put together a great staff, recruited his butt off. Nobody even saw it coming. I mean, there there are people when they hired Pete Carroll that were like, "Oh, well, he'll be fired soon," you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and 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 now now lo and behold, Pete Carroll's one of the best coaches in all of football. So, uh, you know, you just kind of you kind of got to look at it and look at you know. I, there's all kinds of ways this can go. I just, Mike, I I wrote it down, man. I I did some research before we got on, and I'm just going to tell you that this program has not hired. All right, since so they had John McKay, right? Remember the legend, uh, the quip master, and then John Robinson took over for him and was Did successful well. the first yes. time. Since then, Ted Toner, Larry Smith, Oof. John Robinson again, Paul Hackett, Oof. Pete Carroll, who was the sixth choice, yeah, Lane Kiffin, who had about 60 scholarships to work with, Steve Sarkeesian, who at to this point in his head coaching career, head coaching career has been underwhelming, uh, and Clay Helton, who everybody wanted to work for, and it didn't. So that was 1976, the year I was born. So in my lifetime, <laughs> they have made one hire that was a six-choice hire, sixth-choice, Mike, that worked out, and then Kiffin and Sark and Helton kind of spiraled off of that. Helton was a Kiffin assistant. Uh, Sark and Kiffin, of course, were under Carroll. 
but they they just they I think it's time for a new day. Pete Carroll's not walking through that door again, man. So I I I think you need to go out and hire somebody new and start anew uh, for the University of Southern California. You know, the parallels, as, as I'm listening to you rattle off those names and the, the lack of success associated with many of them, you could make a parallel of Southern Cal to Texas, you know, in, in our lifetime. What, one guy. Like, you, you, they each had their one guy. And even the Mac Brown era, not exactly um, – it wasn't like all – Gravy, like Southern Cal, really. They built a dynasty under under Pete Carroll there for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were the signature program in college. Like they were the one you'd put on the cover of the video game. Sure, for a while, Texas had the one breakout year where Vince Young went nuts and, ironically enough, defeated Southern Cal. Uh, but I would hardly say that they were ever like a. They didn't have like a three, four, five year dynasty run. That was no, not no. Texas. Oh five uh, and oh nine. They oh five. They were good. Then in oh nine, right. The Colt McCoy team, surprisingly, and then they ran into Alabama. And right, uh, McCoy got hurt in that game. But, but these yeah. are well. These are look. We're coming off a week where Florida State just lost to the Gamecocks, not of South Carolina, <laughs> but of Jacksonville State at home. And I know it was kind of a flukish hail mary pass, but it never should have been that close anyway. And Florida State's been a disaster now for. Uh, a, a, a while. I mean, since Jimbo left, they hire Willie Taggart, which was still a head scratcher, despite being applauded by some of your uh, national media pundits as a, a brilliant hire. Um, and, and and now I know it's only a, less than a year and a half under Norvell, but you see a, a whole lot of issues still there in Tallahassee. I bring that up because what what we once considered programs that could never not be really, really good, if not great. Yep. Southern Cal, Texas, uh, Florida State, Miami. You know, the, the biggest yeah. thing that they accomplished was saving a cat f- from falling from the upper deck of the stadium. Which, congratulations, by the and way. That, that was a, a, that great was a hell catch. of an effort. Yeah. And with an American flag. It's good to see there's some patriotism out there. <laughs> no doubt. In, in spite of some of the people who hate America that, that still refuse to leave. Um, you know, Michigan, like there, there's some programs out there that you just can't understand why they're not routinely, at least at bare minimum, top 20 right i mean if they're not competing for national championships every year they're at least top 20 but you the proof is in the pudding like these programs are not and it all starts with recruiting right well they all have the best recruiting bases on the planet florida texas california what else do you want um look georgia had a a a, a period of time where they weren't really good for a while. LSU had a period of time where they really weren't good for a while. It can happen to anybody. Now, I always go back to my volcano theory, which is Mm -hmm. the programs that I'm talking about. It's only a matter of time before they erupt again. There's all that hot lava that they're just sitting on, and eventually it's going to percolate, it's going to erupt, and they're going to be winners again, and they're going to be champions again and, and back on the high ground. But with a couple of wrong coaching decisions, with some bad leadership at the top, uh, with with rising tides within your own conference of other programs, you know, if Clemson didn't have Dabo, how much better would Florida State be, right? You know, I mean, it's it, like that that affects have been fired in the SEC. 
in the name of Nick Saban. And I'll tell you what Southern Cal fans are thinking right now, and this is part of the reason why they pulled that trigger as fast as they possibly could. They see what I see. They see UCLA and Chip Kelly are becoming legit. Like that, I, I really think Chip Kelly has found it again. He's got his mojo back. He's got his swagger back. And UCLA is ready to go on a run of good. I'm not saying great, of good football to where they could actually compete for Pac-12 championships over Southern Cal. Yeah, and they've got an older team this year that actually they all sort of they benefited from the, the COVID redshirt rules. Um, and, and it's not just their defense, uh, our offense. Chip Kelly got his, has gotten his groove back, calling plays. But I also think the way they play defense is impressive. And, and if you're Southern Cal, all right, so – so Stanford, the offensive juggernaut that they are, go halfway across the country, and Kansas State beats them twenty-four to seven in the opener. Like I said, me and you, we I sat here and wrote David Shaw's coaching obituary <laughs> last week. That was dumb of me. And you're sitting there going into the fourth quarter, and Stanford has hung forty-two on you, and you're down forty-two to thirteen to that team now. Yeah. Stanford made a switch up at quarterback, and that was probably smart. But uh, look, man, I mean, you know, that's just so. So, so you're not only getting, and, and when I've seen Southern Cal not play well during the Clay Helton era, you're not only getting beat, you're getting physically whipped. And people can say what they want about the Pac-12 not being a physical league. Dad Gummit, the University of Southern California, has always been a physical football team when they've been good, offense, defense. Smash mouth. Now, it's been finesse. It's been Bat Leinert, uh, great quarterbacks, uh, Reggie Bush, and there's a lot of razzle-dazzle. But think about how good those Pete Carroll teams used to play on defense. Oh, I mean, they were first rounders. just tough. I mean, First rounders all over the place. Lo- how many great linebackers have played at Southern Cal? Defensive backs, defensive linemen, count. you yeah. know? So, I mean, when you start <laughs> getting out-toughed, uh, at home, and you can't stop anybody, and your offense is anemic. Anyone, you, you know, it's time to pull the plug. And I think you're right. I think, I think you go, oh crap, you don't want UCLA to to rise up all of a sudden, and and, and all that. So it's, it's time to pull the plug. It's just going to be interesting to see who they get, Mike. I, I yeah, I have no idea. Uh, you know, other than I kind of feel like Luke Fickle, uh, and then Bill O'Brien, I think would be a, a plausible scenario mm-hmm. given their you know, tradition of, of dipping into the NFL for guys. And I think those would be good hires. I just don't know if it's going to please the, the, the Southern Cal brass who have a different level of name and mind. I just mentioned names from a, and, and some of those quite frankly are far-fetched, but I mentioned those from a, a tweet uh, from a national college football writer, but I'm sure if we scoured the 24 uh, seven Southern Cal message boards, what's that one called? JC is it uh, US, Trojanhorse.com? What is it? USCfootball.com. Uh, Ryan Abraham, it? Gerard Martinez. Those guys do a great job. Do a great job. All right. Yep. I thought it'd be a snazzier nickname, but I'm sure they do great work over there. No, they, um, I think they bought the URL when the internet was first getting started. And that's actually okay. a pretty valuable URL. So. Okay. Yeah. No, well, sure. I don't, you know me, this is not my lane. I, I defer to you on all of this, uh, uh, this stuff uh, knowledge wise, but I bet you if we looked at those message boards and you have the access, 
there, there's a laundry list of names that are so like just above and beyond what they're actually going to get. Right. Like, I mean, I, I just envision like current NFL coaches, Cristobal. Yeah. We'd settle for Cristobal. Yeah. You know, we, we, we would do that. Uh, and then just like every top notch current college coach. Oh yeah. Well, clearly they'd want to defect and leave for Southern Cal. Um, but in reality, fickle and O'Brien, they don't, they don't fit those descriptions, but that actually both those hires would make sense to me. All right. Let's talk about some of the games. Uh, I, I, I mentioned, you know, obviously Southern Cal, the, the big, the big one that also involves the PAC 12. How about this PAC 12? We are leading with you. This, I don't know if we've ever done this, but we're leading with the Pac-12 in a positive way, in a positive way. And then I promise you, we'll get to SEC and Big Ten and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon, Ohio State. Oregon was a two-touchdown dog to the Buckeyes on the road. They go into Columbus. They win it 35-28. I, I look at Ohio State, and I look, I'll admit it, they're one of the teams I picked for the playoff. But I see a defense that doesn't look national championship worthy. Uh, I see a quarterback who's like every every other one they bring in, five star and uber talented, uh, but maybe not ready to shine just yet. Um, they'll still probably win the Big Ten, but what you're looking at this year in Ohio State for by their standards in recent years could be a little bit of a down season. Congratulations. So the bigger story is Oregon. The bigger story is the Pac-12, which desperately needs wins like this to get some relevancy. Um, and uh, Mario Cristobal clearly has it going awfully good in Eugene. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just talked about Southern Cal, you know, part of the big problem is since Cristobal has been at Oregon, if you look at the recruiting, they go, and, and a lot of times people get caught up in star ratings, Mike. And, and, and when I see something really turn is like, who are you getting and from where? Okay, are, are 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 you chasing stars? Or are you chasing players? And you look at a school like Clemson, and you look at kind of who their difference makers have been. Well, in the '90s, Trevor Lawrence would have probably been at Tennessee or Georgia. Travis Etienne would have definitely been at LSU. Uh, T. Higgins would have not left Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, you know, um, and, and Clemson went to Ohio and got a five-star tackle over Ohio State. So Justin Ross, he, they beat Alabama on him. He's a kid from Alabama. Um, and Clemson is the one program that's really risen in the last 10 years. Oregon's been on a, a steady climb, but you, you look at their recruiting, Mike, um, and so who have they been getting? They've been going into Los Angeles, which is something they never really did uh, consistently and successfully uh, under uh, Bilotti or, or Helfrich or Chip Kelly. Uh, they would get enough, but they would go out and evaluate guys and plug them into their system. They've been going out, and their commitment list has been reading like Southern Cal or UCLA's used to. Um, Southern Cal's gotten their share, but Oregon, you know, one year signed like nine out of the top 11 in Los Angeles. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know? Uh, and so this has been building for a while. I think last year people kind of got off the Oregon bandwagon because it was a weird year with the late start. They lost to the Oregon State Beavers last year for the first time in a while. But, but you know, with an offseason, with getting your lines of scrimmage right, with offseason workouts, they got a tremendous strength coach out there uh, in Aaron Feld at the University of Oregon. 
you know, this has been building. And you're right about Ohio State. I know their fans are freaking out about their defense. But, you know, look, man, I mean, Oregon's got players just like everybody else. And if you're Ohio State, if you're Clemson, if you're the University of Georgia, I'm not going to include Alabama in that till they stump their toe. But Bama better be ready this weekend for, uh, you know, the Gators in the swamp. Uh, you know, you, you can't just roll the ball out there and play, you know, and, and, and people just can't assume that you're never going to lose a football game, you know, against good quality teams. And, you know, I, I think that's that's uh, that's part of the issue we have around college football these days is people, people think that they've put together super teams. Well, no, they're just like everybody else. The only program that doesn't have to sort of rebuild slightly is Alabama. Nobody else is on autopilot. And this year – Georgia's cycling slightly up from where they were because they were already up there. Ohio State's cycling slightly down. Clemson's cycling slightly down. Doesn't mean they won't go to the playoffs or win conference championships, but they're not super teams. There's one program in the country that can say we're a super team, (laughs) Uh, you know, unlike the NBA, and that's University of Alabama. And they just so happen to have had the number one recruiting class 12 out of the last 13 years. I mean – when you do that kind of work, you're, you're going to, you know, be able to plug in guys, you know, um, ratings notwithstanding. So uh, I, I thought that was a tremendous win for Mario Cristobal. I've always thought the world of him as a head coach, uh, even when he was at FIU and got fired, he went on the road and beat Teddy Bridgewater's <laughs> Louisville team, Charlie Strong. Uh, you know, so I think that guy, uh, I think that guy's really got it rolling. I, and I uh, after the game, and I just said, "Remember this." And I actually called an an FAU FIU game when he was the coach. Because back then, uh, we would do like one or two conference USA games a year, and that was quite frankly about as good a matchup as you could find mm-hmm. in in the league. And and Cristobal was the coach, and they were having a bad year. Um, and I think the the next year it's fired. So he get, I was going back and reading the, the 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 article on it. The AD is quoted the same. Well, you know, three and nine is just not good enough. FIU. So we felt like <laughs> a change was in order. <laughs> now, if you've ever been to FIU, it is the ultimate commuter school. Like, there's no, it's it's they they have a program, but ninety nine the student body. Uh, couldn't tell you a single player on the team or maybe the name of the coach, but (laughs) the fact that they, if you are an FIU football fan, it could say, wait a minute, state that guy who could be in a college football playoff this year, we fired him at FIU. Yeah. The game, uh, speaking of California kids, a uh, uh, California recruit wound up going to Oregon. So, um, yeah, I, uh, that that clearly goes good ones. Iowa, Iowa State, hey, congratulations. You, you were talking about Kirk Ferentz earlier. Uh, they, for whatever reason, they have Iowa – is plus nine in turnover margin. They haven't had a single giveaway. Iowa hasn't in that rivalry in the last five games. 
so kudos to Iowa, 27-17 over Iowa State. Uh, I think uh, that kind of derails any conversation about Iowa State getting in the playoff. I know that was a popular kind of uh, dark horse pick. Another very underrated BYU-Utah. I called this game when they were in the Vegas Bowl years ago. I've, I've never had more nervousness about pronunciations in my life because there's a lot of syllables uh, with the Polynesian players. Uh, they'll go through a wall for you. They're talented as all get out. But BYU, how many years have you and I been talking about BYU is going to be a great addition for somebody and probably the Big 12? It took five years too long, but they added BYU. Mm -hmm. BYU, this is this is a win for the Big 12. They knock off uh, Utah uh, 26 to 17, snapping, I think it was a nine-game losing streak mm -hmm. to the Utes. So congratulations to that program. All right. Uh, the Holy War, you know, is what they call it uh, out there. And, We're not uh, allowed to say that on TV. but yes. You're not allowed to call it the Holy War? Oh, no. Man. Strict instructions do not use that term. They all right, so you get the beehive boot. That's the that's the that's the that's the uh, that's the trophy. So you get the beehive boot, right? Because um, it's the beehive. Utah is the beehive state for some reason. But uh, no, it's um, okay. when you, you know it's frustration. It's like when Virginia finally beat Virginia Tech a couple years ago. Uh, BYU had not won this football game. Now they did take a break, but BYU had not won it since two thousand and nine. Um, which was, you know, four years after Urban Meyer left. So, I mean, it, <laughs> that's uh, uh, Kyle Whittingham's done a really good job uh, against the Cougs, but a, a validating win. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this, Kalani Sataki, the coach at BYU, you know, there, were, there, were, there was talk he was on the hot seat uh, a few years ago, had a really resurgent season last year with Zach Wilson. And, uh, and then this year you get the big win. Uh, over the uh, over the in-state rival uh, out there, and you break a long losing streak. So, uh, hats off to him uh, for being a, uh, a kind of a resilient guy uh, and getting the the ship righted right now uh, out of Utah, out of, out of BYU, rather. No doubt, um, no signature wins in the ACC to speak of, unless you want to include Pittsburgh mm -hmm. over Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is still rebuilding, but. You know, that was a competitive game, and uh, Pittsburgh's got an NFL quarterback in Pickett. Um, Tennessee had shined and flashed in moments, but in the end, Pittsburgh was just a better team. And, of course, we already talked about the debacle that was Florida State uh, losing to Jacksonville State. And then you got an offensive lineman proposing to his girlfriend after the game. That's one where I think you got to yell audible left, audible left, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Omaha. Mm -hmm. get, let's, let's, let's change that up because I don't know if I'd want that that moment in time to be marked uh, with the same day that I proposed to my loved one. I, I, I think you got to go plan B on that one. That's just me. Uh, who am I to say? I'm not an, I'm not a love expert. This is not love line or is it JC? Who mm. knows? I don't know. Uh, Miami held on against app state. That would have been a disastrous loss for Manny Diaz. Yeah. Uh, still not still ranked. How is Miami top 25? Seriously. They're, they're in the polls. Like teams like Kentucky are not there, and Miami, who got waxed in Week One and barely beat App State in Week Two, why am I convinced they're top twenty-five? <laughs> I you got nothing either. Okay, I, I, got, I got nothing. I, Virginia Tech yeah, I, to me it deserves it because 
you know, they followed up the North Carolina win with a solid win against a good, decent Middle Tennessee State team. You know, I think Virginia has been impressive. They waxed Illinois. Remember, remember when mm-hmm. Illinois was good for like a week? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers beats. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the ACC is hot garbage. Now I'll say this, and here was a name that was not on Southern Cal's list, who, I mean, he's not a California guy. He coached for the 49ers for a while. Jeff Halfley from Boston College. Uh, that guy can coach. Uh, you now, mentioned him yeah. before. Yeah, quarterback got hurt last week, Jerkovic. I don't know if – but they're 2-0, and so they're impressive. But, yeah, the ACC mm-hmm. right now, Virginia Tech, Pitt, uh, you know, some of these teams are going to be back, I think. I think Miami will be back, but it's uh, it's uh, it's been sort of a uh, – a, a disaster uh, overall so far for that conference. Well, let's face it. For the ACC, the air went out of the balloon when North Carolina lost to Vautech. And you could say, well, then that's good for Vautech. So that's good for the league to see Virginia Tech on the rise. It, it is in general. But this year, what the ACC really needed was somebody other than Clemson to be a, a top 10 type program. And they have the ingredients. They have what everybody seems to think is an NFL quarterback. They had a good season last year. They have Mac Brown. They had momentum. And then they, I don't want to say they laid an egg. You don't have to apologize for losing at Lane Stadium. They didn't play terribly, although they did play pretty poorly. That hurts the ACC as a whole. Even though it's a uh, an intra-conference game, that set the ACC back a bit from a national perspective because no one else is on the radar uh, nationally other than Clemson. And of course, Clemson loses to Georgia. So uh, that's just where that league is right now. You know, you, you, you're waiting for somebody else to step up and I don't know if that's going to happen, step up enough in 2021 to really catch everybody's attention. Not such an issue in the SEC where Alabama and Georgian, Georgia seemed to be on a collision course to meet in Atlanta and who knows could be on a collision course to meet in the playoff as they did years ago, second and 26, a number that still haunts Georgia fans today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we're not going to take anything from Mercer. And I know Nick Saban was mad and, you know, he pounded the podium and that's, that's fine. Um, You you can't convince me Alabama is going to be playing a hundred percent effort against Mercer. And, And then Georgia waxes UAB. Stetson Bennett Winthorpe the fourth um having a little fun with that name but I I this kid could play like I I remember when he was starting against Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa they had a 10-point lead at the half and every time he does something good it's like yeah you know good story Rudy and every time he does something bad it's oh he's terrible he's too small He's not small. That's not the issue. The arm is good enough to compete at the collegiate level. Um, but the bigger story around here, JC, is that a lot of people – I say here, I should remind everybody, maybe with some new people, I'm based in Atlanta, you're currently based in Chicago, um, is a lot of people saying, why are we playing Bennett? Like if Daniels is out, you've got, you've got Beck right there, this stud recruit. And, yes, Beck did play, had a turnover and – it was a quick hook and that's Kirby's deal. Like if you're a young quarterback, he's got no patience for you. 
But the Georgia fans, they don't want to see Stetson Bennett. It's nothing against Stetson Bennett, but he's not the future. You're playing UAB, who you're going to beat on your worst day if you're Georgia. Why not let the young guys show what they can do? Just uh, that's some of the scuttlebutt. <laughs> yeah, they beat um... – they big played them to death. Uh, here's why I would be concerned. If you play Carson Beck, uh, I, I clearly think he's not ready. Um, I think Bennett is a guy that can distribute the ball and, and throw it to your receivers and get open. And here would be my concern. 68, or sorry, 163 yards on 38 carries. 4.3 yards per carry against UAB. Now, UAB, you know, we'll get nothing against them. They play good defense, but they needed to – to run it up like they did, they needed – Georgia's going to have to throw the ball. I mean, you know, and there's going to be games as they move forward this year where they are going to have to throw the football. Um, and and because right now, until they get the run game solved, and heck, they may come out and run for, you know, 200 yards this weekend against South Carolina, and, you know, Vanderbilt's coming up and all that. But you've got some tricky games with Arkansas now coming to town who's – Arkansas is fearless. Uh, you go at Auburn, Kentucky. You got the game against the Gators. You know, the, the, the Georgia offense has not arrived, right, yet. I know they put up 56. It's an impressive number. Their receivers had a good workout. But I'd be a little concerned about that run game, and some dog fans on the internet, on the, on the message boards, have expressed that concern as well um, because – you're not going to be able to have Stetson Bennett or Carson Black or JT Daniels or whoever just go out there and bomb it all over. They just don't have those kind of guys um, on said receiver. Now, I love their tight end. Uh, Georgia just – Nick Saban one time said he couldn't poop out a player. Georgia just poops out tight ends. So. I mean, that's the bottom line, like running backs. But, um, you know, that, that that's the thing. I, and I get it, but dog fans have to understand this. There are no scrimmages right, in college football. This is not a scrimmage. You don't play a guy just because you want to see the future. Um, and, and Carson Beck just flat out, UAB, whoever, just was not ready. Now, yeah. you know, you may go get a blowout win this weekend, next two weekends, just open SEC play, and he gets some time and looks good. But, you know, I, I don't blame Kirby for playing Stetson Bennett, and and I get it. I mean, you know, you're like, oh, walk on. You know, and, and, and Georgia fans are – you know, goo goo gaga about recruiting. And so in their mind, you know, Stetson Bennett is a much less talent uh, than Carson Beck. But if you want me to give you a list of the four and five star quarterbacks that have gone through Georgia and other programs that didn't pan out at all, <laughs> I'll definitely do it. That's um, a whole other podcast. Yeah. You know, so, but uh, I get it. But, but I, I think dog fans need to feel good. Very tough game against Clemson to open the season. You won. Now the SEC starts. Uh, you know, you've got Bama in your crosshairs. You know, what they need to do is just get back on top of the SEC East and take your chance in, in Atlanta at the end of the year. That's that's yeah. what you hired Kirby Smart for. And I think they have the team to, to have a breakthrough this year defensively. I want to see more from their offense. I and I know that sounds weird because they scored 56 points, but that's that's my take. No, I think most Georgia fans would agree with you on that as well. Uh, let's get let's get through the the uh, less lesser uh, marquee games here. Florida over South Florida, forty two twenty. I mean, the big story there is you got a you got a, a quarterback controversy of sorts, and you've mentioned it on this podcast before. You would go with Richardson 
he did outshine Emory Jones. Um, and I would not be surprised eventually Dan Mullen is, is, is going to go Richardson in that, in that duo. Uh, Ole Miss blows out Austin P. Auburn blows out Alabama State. Uh, I was in Baton Rouge for the win over uh, McNeese, which is significant only in that you had Ed Orgeron's son starting at quarterback for McNeese. McNeese. Uh, to, to our knowledge, and we try to do some research on this, the only other time that that has happened in college football is when John Elway of Stanford went up against Jack Elway, the head coach of San Jose State mm. in the early 80s. So it, it doesn't happen often at all. McNeese, by the way, is a, is a very good, as I always say, and as Florida State fans can now tell you, not all FCS programs are built the same. If you want to get if you want to get a paycheck dub, be careful. Don't just throw a dart at the FCS board and think that it's going to be easy. You can find easy games, or you don't have to go FCS. Just schedule Kansas. Like you know, you you could go ahead and find an automatic dub, but be careful with it. But um, you know, McNeese has been through the you know, the major hurricane last year with Laura. It's actually a a, a really good story at, at that level. But uh, but I digress. Uh, Mississippi State, a sneaky good win against uh. NC State, twenty-four to ten. Will Rogers, as I told you after calling their spring game, was going to be the guy. All that talk about the Southern Miss transfer, Will Rogers, looking just fine in that one, and so too did the Bulldog defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the nitty gritty. Well, A and M beats Colorado ten to seven. Haynes King is going to be out for a while. A little bit of concern there with the offense for the Aggies, more than a little bit. And it's hard to imagine because you've got NFL tight end, NFL receivers, NFL backs, NFL, at least one uh, offensive lineman. But again, it's a quarterback sport. And until you figure that out completely, you're not going to shine every week on offense. Um Oh, I, I don't want to sell Vanderbilt short. Vanderbilt beat Colorado State 24-21. Yes. I have to chuckle because I I guess I had Vanderbilt week one. They could not have played a worse football game if they deliberately tried to uh, in their loss against ETSU. But whatever they changed, they figured it out, and they beat Colorado State. How bad is Colorado State, by the way? Terrible. Uh, I mentioned <laughs> Pitt, yeah, Pittsburgh over Tennessee. South Carolina beat East Carolina 20 to 17. South Carolina looked like a mess in that first half, could not have done more things wrong. Shane Beamer never panicked, and they came back and they just grinded it out to get a walk-off field goal 20 to 17 in a dangerous place to play in Greenville, North Carolina. And and then the two games that – Really stood out. We had a conference game, Kentucky, which will be my next destination, uh, defeating Missouri 35-28. You know, everybody's going to talk about Rodriguez on the ground and Levis, a quarterback. I'll tell you that the, the secret ingredient to Kentucky this year is a young man by the name of Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson is out of Frankfort, Kentucky, but for various reasons chose Nebraska to Nebraska he was putting up some big time numbers there but then has come back home he is the playmaking wideout that they simply have not had he is that kind of kid they also have a quarterback that can throw for 300 on any given game they haven't had that kind of kid I mean they've been winning eight games ten games six games without any of those things 
And now he's got him. He being Mark Stoops, he's always got a good offensive line, scrappy defense. Kentucky might be the second best team in the East. We shall see later on. And of course, the, the biggest uh, game of them all that involves an SEC school, Arkansas defeating Texas 40 to 21. I realize, uh, you know, if you're under a certain age, well, heck, you and I are both at an age where, quite frankly, I wasn't around, you know, to really appreciate the, the Southwest Conference football at its best. I mean, I was a kid. But if you do any history, if you, if you, if you study up at all, you know just how big that game used to be and how big it was today for Arkansas to win that game. Unbelievable kudos. Uh, yeah. Unreal, I Sam think. Pittman and the Razorbacks. Talk, talk about changing the culture. They are now a physical team. They just this 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 team was a and now they whoop up on Texas. Major major kudos to Arkansas. Uh yeah, and, and it was they were the more physical football team. I think if you're if you're Texas, same old same old. You're just not tough. You know, say what you want. Uh, firing Tom Herman, bringing in Steve Sarkeesian, who uh, was one of the probably the best play Carl in college football last year. But honestly, man, you know, most of his career has been on the West Coast, and and not his teams aren't particularly physical, <laughs> and uh, and and that's what's been wrong with Texas for years. And uh, they go in there and just get. Punched in the mouth, man. 7.1 yards per carry running the football for Arkansas. 7.1 yards per carry, Mike. Uh, outran, outran them, you know, outgained them 471 to 256. Uh, and the game wasn't in doubt, uh, you know, for most of it. So kudos to Sam Pittman. Uh, I'll steal a line from Josh Pate today. Uh, he said, you know, a lot of these X's and O's guys go and really struggle when they take over as head coaches. Uh, so why is Sam Pittman doing well, you know, because uh, he's not an ex. He's a, he's a line coach. He's like, you can't substitute genuineness and culture. And that's exactly yeah. what Sam Pittman's brought in two years. Now, that said, you know, th- that's a head coach's job. Sam Pittman has Kendall Bryles call it offense and uh, – also, uh, Barry Odom call a defense. So that's he made those hires. Yeah, he made those hires. I mean, those that hires, was like so. two great coordinator hires. That's the bottom line. So that's uh, that's it. But you know, kudos to the Razorbacks. I have some Razorback friends. Uh, I know they have a deep seated hatred of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, and oh. so, uh, you know, yeah, but let the rivalry be restarted now because Texas joining the league. Well, it's so big. It, it goes above and beyond the, 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 the rivalry. Okay. So mm-hmm. obviously that goes without saying, and, and you and I have both spent time in Arkansas and in Fayetteville. You just, you know how big that is. And they've been talking about this game for a long time and they've circled it. But quite honestly, I don't know if many people thought outside of Arkansas that the Razorbacks really had a chance to win it. So it's going to be an attractive game regardless, but what have we heard since the news about SEC expansion? Oh, boy. If you're one of those teams in the West, good luck now. So here's Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're already in the abyss. They're already treading water, looking up at 
Arkansas, excuse me, Alabama, LSU, A&M, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Now you're going to give me Oklahoma and Texas? Good word. Give us a chance, will you? Well, Arkansas said, no, we got this. We, 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 we've already, we've been in this league for a while. We're, we're on solid ground now with our coach. We welcome you, Texas. Come on in. Come on into Fayetteville. You know, we'll take you to Doe's. We'll get you a good steak. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a little bit of barbecue. Take you out to the Ozarks. Maybe, maybe rent, a, rent a canoe. Uh, Springfield's nice for shopping. If you've been out there, beautiful little, beautiful little uh, strip malls and whatnot. So we'll, mm-hmm. come on over. Come on over. We, we're glad to have you. And then we're going we're gonna to whoop you because you are not – you might have a bigger name of late – you are not ready to be a marquee program in this league. And we got a head start on you. And yeah. they took it out on them. So that's that's a big win on and so many levels. Obviously, it's a big win for the SEC, but we're used to saying saying and seeing that every week. It's a big, big win for that program. The and I'll biggest say, in a long time. I'll say this. I don't like to look too far ahead, but I and you know, we'll see when Texas comes into the league. But if things don't change, right, with that program and the lack of toughness they play with on a consistent basis, Mike, then then there's another way they can solve. They're going to solve it, and that means there's going to be at least a year of them getting their brains completely beat in physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, and and sometimes teams when they they start getting the, they're into the league and. You know, Missouri and Texas A&M, it took Missouri a year, and then they kind of were like, okay, we're going to be all right. A&M right away was good. Um, A&M's a lot more physical now, though, you know. So, uh, but but neither one of those programs has been as soft as Texas, uh, really, for 10 10 years or so. And and that's been the problem. I mean, like, Charlie Strong's a tough guy, man. We know him, right? Yeah, uh, Tom Herman's a tough guy. Both of those guys coach for Urban Meyer. All right, you, you don't think they're going to want toughness, right? Uh, you know, uh, Mac Brown toward the end, country club set in, but you know that, that then Sark. You know, uh, it's a uh, it, it was a questionable hire from that standpoint. But Sark's been at Alabama, so you'd think they'd be all right. But it, it, unless they get tougher, and unless they play with a better mental edge than they have. And that's not going out and playing seven on seven and losing games, winning games 51-41 like some of the teams in that league do. They are going to get their brains beat. And look at Mississippi State even, you know, against NC State and Coach of the Year Dave Dorn. You know, they go into that game. I mean, I I thought Mississippi State would win it. Did you think they'd win it 24-10? to I didn't. But you got a defensive coordinator there, Zach Arnett. You know, the story about Ole Miss on that Monday night win was, hey, the defense is better, you know. I mean, you're playing LSU and teams like that that just want to maul you every week. Auburn, you know. Uh, and, and Texas just does not match up with those teams right now. They're they're okay when they play a team that you know, maybe is not so physical and chunks it around the yard a little bit. But uh, – and, and it's disappointing, too, because it's also inconsistency – and in my opinion, some entitlement. They went out and beat a group of five team led by Billy Napier in Louisiana that allegedly was a top 25 team. I thought it was a stretch. And they went out and played pretty well and beat them by 20 in the opener out in Austin. And so, oh, my God, you know, we're the mighty Texas Longhorns. We're just going to thump Arkansas now. Nope, that's not happening. 
you know. <laughs> and this has happened over and over and over again at Texas, no matter who the coach has been. So uh, they'll either figure it out by the time they get in the SEC or they will get destroyed for an entire season maybe. Uh, you know, it's kind of like once you get punched in the face over and over, you eventually start fighting back. That's what's going to happen to them. They're going to start getting punched in the face over and over and over again, and then eventually they'll fight back, and that program will evolve and and grow up and, and quit being entitled and probably be one of the best in college football because they have that kind of potential. But until that happens, Mike, you know, you can forget it. And if they want any kind of success early in the SEC, they better pray that that quote-unquote culture change happens before they get into the league. I know we're short on time. Let me just uh, rifle through this real quick. Uh, DEFCON 5 through 1. Again, 5, great shape. Everything's hunky-dory. Peace in the world. DEFCON 1, bad news. Missiles are pointed at you. (laughs) In the middle is, you know, it's it's good, not great. Uh, You get the idea. DEFCON 5, Oregon, Mario Cristobal, Bama, Georgia. 4, Ohio State, I'll throw Kentucky football in there, BYU, Iowa. This is for the week now. Uh, DEFCON 3, let's throw Pac-12 football. Let's let's get the Pac-12 some love. Not all around. That's why they're on three. (laughs) Um, And then on one, it's funny, I wrote this before the news came down about Clay Helton. I had Clay Helton on DEFCON 1. Well, like I said before, there there now needs to be a new level below one for uh, some folks. And Florida State football. You are uh, you're back on on Willie Taggartville, DefCon One at least for the time being. Mm. Um, anybody I miss? I don't think so, Mike. I think those are good. Um, I mean, I feel so bad for Florida State because they had some recruiting momentum, even though they lost the Notre Dame game. The electricity was back at Dope Campbell for the first time in a while. Mackenzie Milton was a great story. And then to just go do that, and then you talk about lack of effort and a don't-care attitude, go watch some of their DBs on that last play. And then listen to their play-by-play guy uh, and their color guy uh, after the touchdown. He goes, he yells. He's like, I just said keep everything in front of you. That's William Floyd, the former yeah. fullback in uh, 49er. Great, great player back Shoot, in the yeah, day. I mean, and, and, and for those guys that bled on that field for the garnet and gold, over the years that, you know, have more pride in their little finger than the bunch they got down there now, you know, that has to just destroy them, you know, destroy them. Because, look, it's not that they don't have players. It's not that they don't have talent. It's a mindset. They they just have none of that instinct um, that they used to have. They've become a lot like Miami from that standpoint, which is why whenever those two schools play each other, it's a great football game no matter what the record is. <laughs> well, and, they get up I've, for that one, you know? I've mentioned this about, uh, again, it's, I'm from South Florida originally. Um, I competed with and against a lot of those kids. As, as I like to say, I, I got my butt kicked by some of the best athletes around during my time there. And some things haven't changed about the culture of the high school athlete there. There's, there's you know, there's swagger and they're cocky and they're brash and everybody loves all that. But here's the thing. When they get punched in the mouth, it's kind of like a Mike Tyson thing. Like Mike Tyson was the scariest fighter of, of, of our generation. Um, and and if, if you weren't out there and ready, like if, if he could just dispose of you in 90 seconds. But if you hung with him and then you finally got to him 
and you realized you weren't going to let him bully you, then Mike Tyson looked pretty vulnerable toward the end of his career, especially. Well, some of these kids, like they're, they're great when things are going right. Yeah. And that speed shows up on the field, you know, and all those, and then the swaggers there. And then, but if you start losing uh, games and granted they played well against Notre Dame, but they lost. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden you start, then all of a sudden all that swagger can start working against you a little bit. I, 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 I think you were talking about Texas culture. That's some of the culture I see with Miami and Florida state right now. Like if, if they could just win some games, it'd be great front running, but, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily good with adversity. You got all, you got these kids that are just used to like winning and winning and winning and, and being the very best. And then all of a sudden you go there and that swagger and that cockiness, which is synonymous with those two programs and all the great athletes that have gone through there, you punch them in the mouth and all of a sudden it just can evaporate. And that's what's happened with both those programs. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same look. And people aren't intimidated or afraid to play either one of them anymore. It's not to say they don't have athletes because you turn on the draft in April and I guarantee you there'll be some Miami and Florida State players that are selected that run a four four eight and 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 wind up in the high rounds. But damn if it doesn't disappear at times uh on the uh, yeah. stages, you know? I mean, that that's that's just uh it's just the way it's been there for a while. All right. Um, like I said, we're beyond short on time. So let me just say some of the big, the, the two of the biggest games of the week happen uh, both within the SEC and involving an SEC team. You've got Auburn going to happy Valley against Penn state top 25 matchup. These are the kind of games we love pair of two and O teams, Penn state, six point favorite. You've got Alabama at Florida in the swamp. It feels like about 30 years. The last time Bama traveled to Gainesville, both two and O Bama, 15 and a half point favorite. We'll uh, close out with some thoughts on those games. Yeah, uh, Florida-Bama is going to be interesting. You know, Anthony Richardson, you read about him. I I think he's better than Emory Jones. I don't think Emory Jones is a big difference maker. I think Anthony Richardson is. Agreed. Uh, You know, he did get injured a little against USF, so his health is in question heading into this one. Uh, They're going to need a great game from – all of their players at at uh, at Florida, and what's scary to me is, you know, you look at Todd Grantham and his defensive style, you know, and they they were okay against F- FAU, and then they got up big against a bad USF team, and then USF kind of got back in it or kind of made some things happen. Second, I don't, I don't want to say they got back in it, but uh, it was forty two twenty. What would scare me if I were a Gator is Alabama's offense is tailor-made to take advantage of over-aggressive defenses. You know, you, you just look at it, you blitz them. Bryce Young is going to destroy you with the RPO game and things like that. But it's in the swamp, and I'm sure there'll be a, a big-time atmosphere. I think Will Muschamp was coaching at Florida. I think it was 2000 and maybe 2012, maybe 14. Last time – 2012, I think, last time when the Gators – no, no, that wasn't true. It was a home game, though. Maybe his first year, 2011, when the Gators came or the Bama came and played the Gators. But, uh, you know, it is a rematch of the championship game. Dan Mullen has not had great success against Nick Saban, but, you know, championship game last year was a good ball game. So that'll be interesting. Auburn, Penn State. Auburn scored 122 points the first two games of the year. They've done exactly what they're supposed to do. 
Uh, I think this one's going to be one of those where you go, it's nine to seven late and somebody's got to kick a field goal to win. Uh, I wouldn't get too overly confident uh, about that Auburn offense, though I do think they're very well coached. Play calling's been good, but on the road, Penn State's got a much better defense than they did at any point last year. Uh, so it could be problematic. You know, just when you play Akron and Alabama State back-to-back, you know, really scoring 122 points is what you should do, but you don't really know uh, because the level of competition goes from like zero to 150 this yeah. weekend. You learn, you learn nothing. This is one where, you know, these games are typically booked years in advance. Mm-hmm. If you're Auburn, you would have loved to have played Penn State last year. Not to say that Auburn was clicking on all cylinders a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> hence the, the coaching change. But, but Penn State was clearly down last year. There, there was something that was amiss with the Nittany Lions in 2020. Uh, that's not the case now. This, is, this now becomes one of James Franklin's best teams, and uh, we'll have a chance to – put on a show in front of uh, over a hundred thousand fans. I'm sure it'll be a whiteout in happy Valley, which it seems like just about every game there is. Um, but that should be a lot of fun. We love those kind of matchups. Wish we had more of them in college football. Number 144 of JC and Morgan is in the books. Mm. I felt good about this one. I'm glad we got it in on a late Monday. I loved it, man. I loved it. And looking forward to uh, many more and, um, uh... You know, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. You know, I, I can't believe you didn't mention Stanford and Vanderbilt. That's going <laughs> to – Games in Nashville. Derek Mason got out of town, uh, you know, one year too soon. He'd got right, to face right. his old mentor. So. Uh, yeah. By the way, you know, um, who is it? Pat Shermer, former Vanderbilt quarterback. Am I getting the first name right? Kyle. Kyle, Kyle Shermer, Pat's the dad. I knew I was yeah. going to screw that up. Uh, he's the son of Pat, who's a longtime NFL assistant coach and even head coach. He's getting a start this week in the NFL. I can't even remember where the heck he is. But there, Bang- he's of- the, he was with the Bengals in camp. I don't know where he's at now, though. He somewhere else because Burrow's still starting. Burrow's healthy. Yeah. Anyway, um, it just it made me think like Vanderbilt at one point under Derek Mason had an NFL quarterback, an NFL running back, an NFL receiver, and an NFL tight end. And they were miserable on offense. Like that's mm. hard to do, but, but they did. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. We'll have those, we'll have those marquee matchups to talk about. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some more news on Southern Cal. Uh, we'll get more into it is official. The big 12 did add those four, which makes plenty of sense. I think they did the best thing and really the only move that they had, uh, disposable to them to make and anything else that uh, strikes our fancy in college football. Appreciate everybody for once again, tuning in for JC Sherbert. This is Mike Morgan. We'll see you next week on JC and Morgan. Have a great week, everybody.